Merry Christmas and welcome back to The Theology of the Buddy, a podcast for Catholics who love the beauty of the church's sacred tradition. This is episode 75. My name is Chris and I'm joined today by my fellow custodians of tradition, Mike, Brooke, and Tim. Welcome back, you guys. Welcome, welcome back, back to you too. <laughs> hey. <laughs> All right. Seriously? Seriously, you too is here? Whoa. Oh wait. <laughs> they 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 decided to do it pro bono. Okay. Uh so before we begin, if you haven't yet, we're make beginning sure. with penance. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Before we begin, if you haven't yet, make sure you hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening and leave us a five-star review if you can. It really help us out. Uh, don't forget to drop by theologyofthebuddy.com for all of our show notes and past episodes while you're at it don't forget to follow us on our socials so you can keep up to date with all the great content we're sending out you can find us at theology of the buddy Um, so we've got a great podcast lined up for you today we're going to be discussing the recent news that came out of rome regarding the traditional latin mass also known as the responsa ad dubia And we're going to get into the topic of whether we need to ditch our smartphones. Namely, whether I should ditch my smartphone. We are calling this segment, Pitch the Ditch. So, today, for us, not for our listeners, but today on December the 18th, uh, Archbishop Rock Roche... Roach, Roach. Uh, Roach. Yep. I'm calling him Roach. Roach. Um, he Six. he dropped a another ridiculous bombshell on the traditional world with regards to the traditional Latin Mass, um, clarifying um, with eleven dubia, um, which are like eleven questions about or clarifications uh, regarding the document Traditionis Custodis, which effectively put restrictions on the Latin Mass, which was released by the Holy Father um, a few months ago. So, yeah. I call it alleged clarifications. Yeah, that's fair. Fair. That's fair. I was just amazed to hear that a dubia could actually be answered. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, some people are alleging like uh, Father Zolsdorf is suggesting that he doesn't think this is an actual dubia. Mm. What are your thoughts? So scripted from the inside? Yeah. Yeah, kind of like the uh, bishop survey that they did. It's perfidious. I mean, it's not like the dubia with Cardinal Burke where it was released publicly. They just came out and said, questions have been coming from various people very often here they are mm-hmm. we don't have the questions from any other source like the asker but anyway it sounds like an like an instagram influencer where you know it's like those mm-hmm. girls they're like i get all these questions all the time from listeners asking me what i what i put on my face in the morning you know it's like you don't have anybody asking you that question Mike wouldn't know anything about that. He's not an Instagram. I am the only one here that probably watches makeup influencers, okay? (laughs) So, Mike, what do you put on your face in the morning? Just one. (laughs) No, that's a good question. Mike, what do you put on your face in the morning? 
pancakes. Pancake, not oh, on my face. On. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Canadian, so maple syrup. <laughs> Exfoliates. <laughs> rejuvenates. So, yeah, I mean, the the document itself, it's so mean and malicious. Like, oh, yeah. It, it's, it's ridiculous. Like, our, our good friend and uh, former guest on the podcast... Nicholas Job shared a bunch of stuff uh, with me, you know, with regards to it. Some tweets that were sent out. He said, the most insulting part might be, this is, excuse me, this is from a person by the name of at constant Kate, I think on Instagram or on, uh, on Twitter. She said, the most insulting part might be the assertion that the faithful attached to the old mass just need formation to appreciate the new mass when it was learning more about the mass and its meaning and history that brought many of us to the old rite in the first place. I mean, I, that's, that's so true. Yeah. Maybe most of us, right? Like how many people started attending the Latin mass within the past five to 10 years. And for most of us, it was because we learned about the mass and what it really means. Yeah. Yeah. Like for me, I mean, the it's the logical conclusion to the church's teaching on the Eucharist. Just just flat out. If if Jesus is is truly present in the most holy Eucharist, then the traditional Latin mass and all of its and all of its reverence and all of its uh, ceremonies and rites, it's it's a necessity. You know, I think for me, the true question is, uh, where do we land on the validity and the necessity of obeying any of this? Because more and more we're talking about, um, you know, people working against the common good, working to destroy the faith. And we have more and more evidence that this is not like a authentic, um, that this is not something that authentically demands obedience from Catholics. What do you think, Tim? Well, my gut level reaction on this is that they haven't even begun to make the case. I mean, it's simply, you know, the argument, unfortunately, I hate it that it's as simplistic as it is, but we've got this group that's really mean and we say that they've got some schismatic leanings, which, okay, first show me, you know, if it's attachment to the old mass, show me what part of that attachment is schismatic. Because if you go through and you look at the substance of it, at the prayers, at the rites, at everything, it's hundred percent Catholic and it always has been. And because it always has been, it always will be. That's the great thing about being Catholic is it doesn't change. I ground level. You can't change that kind of stuff. You can't say that this was good then. We, you know, we've got thousands of saints, you know, hopefully millions of saints that were raised in this, but it's not good for you because 1970 happened. So they haven't even begun to make the case for that. Secondly, 
not only have they not begun to make the case, but they've approached it in a manner that just outright looks like it's being we're being dealt with in bad faith. Because I mean, the, like you were talking about, the malicious wording of this document is it, you know, what's the word for it? Uh, gaslighting. I absolutely like. Yeah. Okay, we know best. You know, you're you know, let us show you the way. Like, okay, well, how about we let you know Saint John Chrysostom show us the way? How about we let you know? You know, Pope St. Gregory, show us the way. Or, you know, Cardinal Roach. I'm sure he's done a lot. He's probably a smart guy. He's probably got a lot of degrees, but he doesn't. His He's got letters after his name. I want to follow people that have letters before their name. Mm-hmm. Preach. Preach. Yeah, like coming back to what you were saying, like it's so, you know, like for all the the phraseology of this pontificate of a culture of encounter of accompaniment, all of this. Tell me how this sounds like accompaniment quote. Moreover, such a celebration should not be included in the parish mass schedule since it is attended only by the faithful who are members of the said group. Finally, it should not be held at the same time as the pastoral activities of the parish community. It is to be understood that when another venue becomes available, this permission will be withdrawn End quote. Nice welcome. Welcome, guys. It's so it's so mean. It's so mean-spirited. Imagine saying that to any group of people. Just any group of people. Mm-hmm. There would be mobs. Yeah. Like it's just so bitter and cruel and uninviting. And it just makes me really sad. Yeah. Like and, and they feel free to micromanage your parish bulletin down to the line items yeah but it's totally fine to uh put your gay mass on the schedule but not the traditional mass it's it's fine to put everything on there i mean how many parishes have team masses on there and they're not attended by half the parish i mean it's unbelievable how transparent the excuses are for some of these things where it's obviously just, no, we don't like you and we want to kick you where it hurts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And you can turn that language around and okay. So we're, we're saying, you know, only the people who are attached to the Latin mass are going to attend. So we need to go ahead and move it out as quickly as possible. Well, only the people who are attached to Regnum Christi or who are attached to, you know, the Society of St. Vincent de Paul are going to use the facilities at these times. Well, you know, are we going to end up moving them out? I mean, if you're going to turn that language around, you could apply it to every single small parish group in a parish. But it's those small parish groups that make up a parish. Well, Mm -hmm. and that's the thing, too. Like, for example, in our community, shout out to the London Latin Mass Apostolate. Um you know, we're we're on the roster at the parish for our mass time. It's listed, you know, but they've the parish itself hasn't really integrated us into the community. Um, no. but, but at the same time, even despite that, the London Latin Mass Apostolate has donated thousands of dollars to the parish. You know, the the entire lighting system in the basement, um, a good chunk of that was us. They needed a new dishwasher. That was us. You know, like we've we've gone above and beyond not just paying, you know, uh, for the use of the space, you know, but like we've gone above and beyond. And yet here we are being told you can you can 
uh, pay the money to be here and stuff, but you're not part of us. You know, like how, mm-hmm. how absolutely like, I, I don't know, like it's just gross. It's just gross. It's like being in, a, in an apartment complex and saying, okay, you can pay rent, but we're not going to let anybody know that you live here, like on yeah. the buzz board. Yeah. You Does that make sense? Know, and nobody's allowed to visit yeah, you, you, you know, yeah. like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're just a little hermit. Just shut up, be quiet, close your door and leave us alone. Yeah. And we don't want to exclude you. We're not doing anything to exclude you. But just so you know, as soon as any other apartment in the city is available, you have to leave. Yeah. 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 And you know, the really unfortunate thing is that it didn't have to be this way. They could have gone for some of the same points. You know, uh, one of the things I was actually really hoping for before the original July 16th document came out was that it was going to start tying us more to our parishes because mm-hmm. I go to, a, I go to a diocesan uh, Latin mass that rotates between three to four different parishes, depending on what time of year it is. And so it's anywhere from, 10 minutes down the road to two and a half hours away. And, you know, we lose a lot of that parish life, you know, one of, and like I go to a Novus Ordo parish to teach catechism. Don't tell them that I'm teaching from catechism of Trent, but you know, (laughs) just to get that parish life, because that's important, but we don't have that. And that's, that was my big hope was like, okay, maybe, you know, like I can see how there's a lot of trepidation here, but there's also hope that maybe in saying okay we need to be part of a parish community and start tying us more to those parish communities that it would actually integrate us further and it would you know bring about those positive results but unfortunately they didn't go that route yeah yeah it's it's forcing a disconnect Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and the question is what at the end of the day what's going to happen you know um, I've seen um, official statements from the FSSP who have said, look, you know, um, essentially like what was given to us in the beginning is what we follow. And this doesn't really apply to us, which is great, you know, but where does that leave the diocesan people? You know, um, it's it's yeah, there's going to be a there's going to be a large exodus especially to mm-hmm. the SSPX and I don't blame them. I don't no. blame them. 2019. I said this, I said this when we were chatting earlier, 2019. I'm not quite sure how I feel about Lefebvre. I don't know. I don't know, you know, if I'm, if I'm a hundred percent for him or a hundred percent against him or whatever. 2020, 20, 2021 Brooke is like, he was onto something. Mm-hmm. Like he could, he could smell the fire before we even knew it was coming. Yeah. Yeah. 2019. I was like, I was with, I I was on the kind of Tim Gordon side of things. Like I'm like, nope, you know? And then 2020 Chris was sitting at the good Friday liturgy with the SSPX (laughs) (laughs) because there was no other option. There was no other option. They, you know, they shut yeah. down the liturgies and and whatnot around here, uh, with the capacity limits, and it was just impossible. So, you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah, crazy. So, you know, obviously, when we're recording this is December eighteenth. It's the day that it dropped. So, you know, 
we'll see where things land in the next month or so when when bishops after christmas probably start implementing this stuff and uh yeah well i guess we'll give an update then in terms of our thoughts well and let if you're if you're listening let us know what's happening where where you are like we want to hear we want to hear your story too i'm talking to you the listener right now tell us what you're experiencing you mean me you never listen what was that mean was that a mean joke (laughs) maybe a little bit mean it was a mean truth (laughs) (laughs) anyway yeah tell us your story (laughs) tell us what you're experiencing there you're not alone no matter what you're going through for sure but anyway let's at least close off by saying trads don't lose your hope and joy realize that this band-aid had to be pulled off at some point you know the the battle has to be has to be fought at some point to some extent right like we know that there have been forces within the church working against her trying to destroy her liturgy destroy her traditions and this is just part of the culmination of that battle we weren't going to get out of this without a fight so be joyful that we're coming a step closer to the end of the modernism crisis that's my positive spin on it amen yeah, and stay tuned to the end of the podcast. Um, I'm going to read something from Dom Garager that I think is very, very appropriate um, for our times and something that hopefully will encourage you. So let's let's change gears and get into Pitch the Ditch. So here I am. I've got my, my cell phone here. Um, and I really like my cell phone a lot. A little too much but you know what i'm you know i'm due for a renewal i just got my my notice that i'm good to get a new phone and i'm i'm looking at some of these phones and they're looking pretty sweet why should i ditch my cell phone or at least Carmelite the smartphone simplicity. that i have Carmelite simplicity you can't you can't apl- you can't appeal <laughs> to my vocation. <laughs> and that's it. Let's wrap okay. that segment up. Hey, okay. <laughs> so we'll be signing Got up for a light two phone. words. <laughs> oh man. So my personal argument with smartphones and I'm holding my smartphone in my hand right here. But I've got a light phone on the way. I'm going to be trying to make the switch myself. My personal gripe with smartphones is that they do more than just bring media into your life. It's like pornography, like gambling, like substance abuse. They actually rewire your brain. They reroute the uh, dopamine pathways. They take advantage of that to create the same kind of response that you would get if you were taking cocaine, If you that you would get if you were on a winning streak in Las Vegas, it uses those same chemicals and, you know, it may not be intentional, but that's exactly what happens. It uses those chemicals to rewire your brain and actually make it an addictive substance for you. 
How much were you on your cell phone 10 years ago? I don't even know oh. if I had one. Well, I, don't even know I guess okay. I had one, but okay. I don't think, so, I think okay. it was one of those flip phones. The first, the first, the first iPhone came out in like what? 2006. Yeah. Something like that. Okay. Yeah. So before that, you know, we didn't need the kind of plans that we have now because like every uh, provider offers these unlimited plans because you're going to use the data. You know, you're not going to pay for something that you're not going to use. You're using the data because it's something that's absolutely addictive. You know, when I looked at the numbers on my phone, I'm going to embarrass myself here. And this is granted some days I work 24 hour shifts. So, it, you know, it can be skewed a little bit here but I'll pick up my phone hundreds of times and look at it. I'll spend eight hours, like a full-time job, looking at my phone. And what am I looking at? You know, I'm looking at Facebook. I'm looking at cat videos. I'm looking at, you know, just, I'm sorry. I, I've, I've got a cat. He's my, you know, he's my buddy, but <laughs> I feel like I just went to confession. Uh, <laughs> We cannot no, absolve no, you for uh, being like, a cat person. Yeah. It's unforgivable. That's, that's okay. That's, oh man. Well, that isn't that one you have to place. go to Rome it's for. Been nice. You have to go to Rome to get absolved from that, right? Or at least some sort of. You have to petition I'm gonna, Rome. I'm going to start with the Archbishop. We'll work our way up from there. Okay, sounds good. Okay, you have to so, go to Rome for everything now. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we'll start in Rome, Georgia. I'll work my way out from there. Sounds good. Okay. So you've got the, you've got this device that is absolutely rewiring you how to use it. Thoughts? Yeah. I mean, so, so here's the thing. Mm -hmm. So here's, here's my anecdote. So back in the day, like before, like just kind of as smartphones were coming out, um, Mm -hmm. I was like, I definitely have an addictive personality. There is, there's no doubt in my mind that I do. Um, ask Mike what happens when I have a few minutes and I go and play Minecraft. It becomes an hour. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> like that's, that's clearly the case. Yeah. Um, but like I had a phone and I was using it and whatnot. And I was noticing it was kind of taking over my life. And I was like, you know what? I'm ditching this thing. So I ditched my cell phone for a few years. Um, but I ended up crawling back because I wanted to be connected with my friends, you know? Um, but you're right about the fact that, yeah, that it ends up becoming way more than connecting with your friends. It becomes, you're constantly scrolling, you know, you're constantly flipping through Instagram or checking out Twitter or, um, yeah, looking at cat videos, God forbid. So, well, I mean, part of these things are coping mechanisms. You know, we feel lonely, so we seek attachment, but when we seek this attachment in the wrong way, we're not going to get the results that we want. You know, if I'm going to Facebook because I'm lonely, I'm only ultimately going to end up lonelier than I started because I'm only going to realize how far detached that I've made myself because I'm going to this source. It's just, I mean, we're talking about electrons on a server, you know, it isn't a real thing, you know, and that's one of my gripes with 
social media overall is it simulates intimacy, but it doesn't give us intimacy. It gives us, you know, contact, but without the intimacy. So, you know, I've known you guys and, you know, granted, I guess we could call chat rooms a form of uh, social media, but it really is just a form of communication where we could actually talk to each other and exchange mm-hmm. ideas in long, in long form. I mean, we've been doing this for several, what, two years now? Basically. You know, these, these are, this mm-hmm. is long, this is long form relationship, you know, unfortunately separated by a huge amount of distance, but it's the way that we have to do it. You know, I'm going to put up a multi-tiered cake on Facebook that has a pecan pie at the bottom and a cheesecake in the middle and this, that, and the other. And that's not going to do a thing to create intimacy between me and the people that I'm communicating with on Facebook. You know, I'm going to like somebody's post when, you know, they just had their daughter's 18th birthday and okay, cool. You know, I hit like it, it's meaningless, you know, or I could reach out to them and say, Hey man, congratulations. You know, this is a big day. You know, so we're striving for this intimacy, but we're not reaching it. We're simulating the intimacy and we're falling short. And so ultimately we end up lonelier than we started. And it's not just social media, pornography, you know, guys go to pornography, women go to pornography all the time because they're lonely. You know, it's, you know, I don't even want to start with the idea of, okay, there's, you know, this malicious intent because there's usually, I don't think that there is. I think it's, these people are really lonely. They want some sort of connection and they don't have it, you know, for whatever reason. And, you know, it's the same as a cell phone using the dopamine pathways. You know, you get that reward stimulus and you're off to the races. Your brain says, yes, this is it. And with pornography in the long term, we've seen that it rewires the brain so much that it causes actual physical sexual dysfunction in men. I completely changes the human body. And this is something that we're, you know, it's something that you're looking at on your, on your computer screen, something that you're looking at on your cell phone. And we're giving that kind of access to our bodies to people who have what kind of intent. Yeah. So, well, like even look at what Billie Eilish just came out with, right? Billie Eilish admitted that she started looking at BDSM porn at the age of 11 and she, she's Mm -hmm. legit dealing with night terrors and sleep paralysis. And she says it destroyed her brain, you know, Mm -hmm. like, yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, yeah, that's obvious, but the question is, okay. So Jennifer Fulweiler, who I don't always agree with, but some of the stuff she's been posting lately, I've been appreciating, you know, and one of the things that she said was, you know, that especially with parents that are using cell phones, right now um one of the reasons that they use it is because they need some form of connection and a lot of them are completely isolated you know like we were made to raise children in a community and a lot of us are you know potentially even hundreds of miles from family um and things like that and or you know we may have dysfunctional families or you know whatever the situation is you know what speaking of my own situation you know it's just julie and i you know my mom is unable to help our family is absent uh her family is absent uh so it's like it's us so the question is if we ditch the phone 
how do we maintain that connection? You know, um, that's one of the things that I've always kind of, one of the reasons why I've always. definitely a barrier to entry. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it's one of those situations and Tim will probably disagree with me maybe, but it really depends on the person. I don't, I don't know, like using that often. It's not a phrase I like to use often. It's such a relativist. Yeah. It's a very relativist um, use of words. But in this situation, I think there is a clear distinction between addiction and moderation and using a tool appropriately. So if somebody is, has inclinations to becoming addicted to something, whether it's video games or a cell phone or um, I don't know, food, food, again, one of those things where if you consume food in a way that's healthy and moderated, then you'll be okay. But, you know, a couple hundred calories every day puts on the pounds, right? Yeah. So if somebody is trying to avoid that, then it's, then it's good to just stop (laughs) and change. I, and unfortunately I'm in that camp where my phone wasn't working and I got a new one and I was like, I'm going to be judged so harshly (laughs) because I'm like, I'm a stay at home mom, number one. Um, so I do rely on, on having somebody to message, especially when I was like nursing my kids at night, you know, I would message my friends and just be like, oh, look, there's people there. I might be able to talk to them. I haven't talked to a, another adult in several days, maybe. <laughs> or call my mom and let her see the kids. Except you, honey. But another, okay, another girl. Another oh. girl. How about that? <laughs> we, all, we all know Mike doesn't talk. So... <laughs> I don't count as an adult. You don't count as a woman. <laughs> I really think the analogy to food was good, though, that you made. And you can kind of extend it to the light phone, right? Yeah. Because the light phone is kind of an attempt to take the cell phone, use it as a good tool, exactly. trim off the parts that you don't need that are just addictions and distractions. And so it aggressively limits the features of your phone. Or it, or are inhibiting you from being a better person so i kind of see it as like if you think about the food analogy it's kind of like being put on a strict diet Mm -hmm. where you you know you've cut certain foods out of your house and they can't cross the door so you don't have to worry about that kind of temptation or whatever yeah yeah and it's kind of like i've i've taken like a baby step towards it because i used to use Twitter on my phone all the time. And I decided this is unhealthy and bad. So I just uninstalled that app, but there's still other apps that are kind of like, I'm thinking maybe I should get rid of some other ones too. Can I say how I was able to notice the Twitter thing too? Yeah. Yeah. So Mike would be standing in the kitchen or something and he would be typing frantically on his phone. And it's like, what's going on? What's the matter? somebody's wrong on Twitter might calm down. <laughs> it was me. <laughs> you can talk to them later. <laughs> you can talk to those people later, but it becomes, I need you. <laughs> it became such a joke. Cause every time Brooke would be like, Mike, what are you doing? I would realize 
oh, I'm here and I'm angry because someone said something dumb on Twitter and now I feel like I have to correct them. Yeah. And that's not a put down to Mike at all. It's something that I think everybody goes through. I go through it too. Mike obviously sees me like grump, grump, oh, there's something stressful, blah, blah, blah. I'm on my phone trying to solve something or blah, blah, blah. But that's the same with Julie too, (laughs) right? She'll say, she'll be talking to me and be like, did you hear what I said? And I'll be like, uh, what? (laughs) You know? And she's like, yeah, you need to put the phone, the phone down. I'm like, yeah, you're probably right. But there's, there's somebody wrong on Facebook. Mark Shea is attacking the traditional Latin mass. He needs to be destroyed. You know, like things like that. Well, some sometimes I'll do it to myself and I'll do it to Mike. We'll be at our dinner table. I'll do something on my phone and then I'll hear a bling and I'm like, no, I we can't do this. I'll grab my phone and I'll take his phone and I'll move it away from the table because it's like our kids are there. Like think we're about, here. <laughs> think about this, Chris. This this is what you're doing. You're inviting Mark Shea into your house every day. He lives with you. He's following you around your house. Ew, I, I hate thinking that, about that that, that way. I mean, <laughs> just any person like that, that makes my life but Mark negative Shea. like that way. Yeah. But Mark Shea. Yeah. That's very specific. You're letting me yuck. You're letting him come into your life. Dude, get out of here. You're, this, Don't get me started on just, Father dude, James Martin. My gosh, you're you're pitching yeah, he, the ditch really well now. Gosh. So okay. So how about this? How about this? The middle ground, okay. Mm-hmm. The middle ground. How do you moderate the use of a tool like that with all of its, you know, bells and whistles and all of those fun things like Facebook and Twitter. See, Tim, here's how I'm, here's how I'm looking at it is that, you know, and I'm going to use your modernist tactic of, you know, for me. Sorry. Okay. So in this little personal experiment that I'm doing here, where I'm, mo- I'm moving to the light phone, I actually see my computer and my iPad and my phone as kind of a cohesive unit. Mm-hmm. By changing to a by changing to a phone that is less functional, that you know, it has maps, it has podcasts, it you know has texts, it has voice. I think those are the four things that are going to be on it. You know, I'm limiting the other functions to other arenas. So yeah, I'm I'm pushing you know, like. If you go to my if you go to my Twitter account, you're still going to see me tweeting because I am, you know, like we just had National Signing Day. I'm tweeting at Longhorn fans like crazy because we kicked their butts. You know, (laughs) sorry. (laughs) I'm pretty sure that was a sports reference. Yes. Go sports. Go my favorite sports Um, team. Go. I'm still I'm still processing. We had the number one signing class, and it's just it's I don't know how to handle that. It's the first time ever. But I okay, didn't so, know you did sign language. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> but you know, I, I look at it as a case, cohesive whole, and this is ra- raising the barrier to entry. You know, this is 
closing the window so that Mark Shea has to come through the door. You know, one of the big problems that I've seen, you mentioned when Billie Eilish was 11 that this started. You know, I've seen, um, for those who don't know, I work in EMS. I've worked in EMS for about 20 years now, and I deal a lot with pediatrics. Love working with kids, but uh, it is oftentimes as gut-wrenching as it is rewarding. A lot of times when I'm dealing with kids and it's an addictive issue, you know, the cell phone is a problem. You know, I teach a catechism class and I have to take up the cell phones. Otherwise, the kids literally have the cell phone in front of their face all class long. You know, I've created an open phone quiz to get them looking up things at the beginning of the class before I take the cell phones to kind of let them have that avenue. But, you know, it creates a space where, you know, they've got that window into the world that isn't the world that's actually around them. I feel like mm-hmm. I'm getting off the point that I was making. No. Well, no. you were, you were but, talking about okay, your experience so, yeah. as an EMS with this yeah, yeah. And one of the biggest problems for kids is that, you know, it's not Mark Shea that's coming in the window. It's the bully from school. It's the bullies from these, from whatever online platform that they're partaking in. You know, TikTok is huge, but for, you know, just people who are coming after them constantly and they don't have a way to get away from them. So I went to school and I got bullied and I could come home and they couldn't follow me. But these kids are going home and their phone is ringing and they're getting notifications and it completely turns off their ability to turn off. So they're always connected to the world 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They sleep with the cell phone in the bed and it's not a small change. It's, it's not a little bit detrimental. You know, we have kids who are getting into pornography early and earlier. We have kids who are having, you know, problems with bullies 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And it's driving them to, you know, do things like hurt themselves or kill themselves. You know, Mm -hmm. there's this one kid that I just can't get out of my head. He was at his sister's birthday party. He was 11 years old. And this was when my son was 11 years old. And he just, he couldn't turn off. He couldn't turn off the phone. I just, you know, he ended up hanging himself in his closet during his, sorry. <clears throat> he ended up hanging himself in his closet during his sister's birthday party. And that was wow. the hardest call that I've ever run. Mm-hmm. And it was because he couldn't turn it off. He couldn't get away. There's nowhere for him to go. Yeah. And you know it's seeing a kid like that i mean like when i left him at the hospital you know i reached out i don't i don't even know it wasn't even a conscious thing i reached down i just ruffled his hair the same way that i did my sons and you know just i i have not it just doubled my resolve i'm not gonna let my kid get into that situation and my son Jack, he has a cell phone, but it's a phone that you can call and you can text, and it goes away at night. You know, it's for emergencies only. It's got thirty minutes a month on it. You know, I don't want him to be in that situation where he feels like he can't get away. And that mm-hmm. is one of the situations that having that kind of access to the world puts us in. 
is the people that have the worst intentions have the most access. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's, it's the concept of not normalizing that addiction because for many and i think most people it's part of daily life but the reality is it can be it it's an addiction it's like watching your parents smoking or drinking you know it's just like well mom and dad do it all the time yeah unfortunately that's how a lot of people are introduced to alcohol at a young age so how do you how do you curb that right I know a lot of people that have Facebook Messenger on their phone for the connection, but don't have actual Facebook on their phone. And that's just an example. There's other means that other that people are trying to limit that that scroll mentality, that scroll addiction, right? By limiting how pervasive it can be, by limiting the opportunities that it can creep into your life, right? So I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and Say, you know, I'm not saying you've got to get rid of your your smartphone, mm-hmm. but I think that it is incumbent upon all of us to understand the role that it plays in our lives. You know, yep. we truth we have them because they're tools. But if the tool is doing more harm than good, you know, then we have to reassess: Do we really need to use this tool in this way? You know, uh, yep. what was yeah the. Was it was uh, Dr. David White was had a podcast that I listened to, and he was talking about the same topic. And you know, he's like, you know, we're not meant to flee temptation; we're meant to fight temptation. Which, not always, yes, but you know, some temptations we're meant to flee right off the bat. Sexual temptations, temptations to impurity, you know, we're supposed to just flee those. But that, that doesn't mean that the rest of them we just have to fight every time. We have to have the kind of prudence that lets us know when to pick the battles. Yeah. And mm-hmm. one of those battles is deciding, you know, what am I going to allow into my life? Because when you get the cell phone, there's going to be battles there. You know, these apps are going to start taking over in a certain way. And either early on or later on, you're going to have to decide how much access am I going to give? Yeah. Awesome. I think you've given a lot of food for thought. <laughs> um, and man, I'm, this is, I think this is great for me because like we're going into the Christmas season and uh, you know, this is a great opportunity for self-reflection, especially, you know, in the new year too. Um, so mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing your experience with that too. And yeah. Um, yeah. You've, yeah, you've really you've really pitched the ditch well. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I didn't expect it to be that convincing. Really knocked it out of the park. Yeah, nice. Well, I would just like to say, Matt, Fred, I'm available. To our listeners, he was holding up a pints with Aquinas, uh, a Patreon mug <laughs> in case matt wants to do another show on this topic yeah, i'm sure like 47th show that's going to be the one <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right yeah. so so on that note i just want to end with a quote from dom garage from the liturgical year on the feast of saint stephen and this is a, an encouragement for all of uh all of those who were super bummed from the uh, the dubia that was released today. 
Um, let us let's take a moment and be inspired by these martyrs that surrounded the crib of, crib of our blessed Lord, um, and and listen to this quote. He says, quote, Stephen then deserves to stand near the crib of his king as leader of those brave champions, the martyrs, who died for the divinity of that babe, whom we adore. Let us join the church in praying to our saint, that he help us to come to our sovereign Lord, now lying on his humble throne in Bethlehem. Let us ask him to initiate us into the mystery of that divine infancy, which we are all bound to know and imitate. It was from the simplicity he had learned from that mystery that he heeded not the number of the enemies he had to fight against, nor trembled at their angry passion, nor winced under their blows, nor hid from them the truth and their crimes, nor forgot to pardon them and pray for them. What a faithful imitator of the babe of Bethlehem. Our Jesus did not send his angels to chastise those unhappy Bethlehemites who refused a shelter to the Virgin Mother, who in a few hours was to give birth to him, the son of David. He stays not the fury of Herod, who plots his death, but meekly flees into Egypt like some helpless bondsman, escaping the threats of a tyrant lordling. But it is under such apparent weakness as this that he will show his divinity to men, and he, the infant God, prove himself the strong God. Herod will pass away, so will his tyranny. Jesus will live, greater in his crib, where he makes a king tremble, that is, under his borrowed majesty, this prince tributary of Rome. Nay, then Caesar Augustus himself, whose worldwide empire has no other destiny than this, to serve as handmaid to the church, which is to be founded by this babe, whose name stands humbly written in the official registry of Bethlehem. End quote. So thanks everyone so much for listening to today's podcast. Let us know your thoughts. Let us know what your parish is doing uh, in light of the dubia. And uh, yeah, what are your thoughts on today's podcast? We'd love to hear from you. Message us on Facebook, DM on Instagram, at Theology of the Buddy. You can find us on Twitter, at TradFriends, or email us at TheologyoftheBuddy at gmail.com. You can leave us a voicemail on Facebook Messenger or Instagram, technically. Um, if you like what you heard today, please rate and subscribe. Uh, you can find us pretty much everywhere. Um, and so we'd love uh, for you to do that. Um, please share us with your friends as well. Um, we'd really appreciate that. Also, our next episode will be coming out in two weeks, uh, next on Wednesday. Uh, so make sure that you're subscribed so you'll see that when it comes out. We'll save you guys a seat at the table. And until then, stay, stay tratty. tratty.